Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the <laughs> Tabletop for Two podcast. Can't we work 41 already? Really? Yeah, it's going by quick, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. And uh, another new episode this week, we're going to be reviewing Legendary Encounters later on in the show. Um, we have a couple of Kickstarter projects that we're going to talk about. We've done a Kickstarter segment in a while, but that's because nothing's really struck my fancy in a while on Kickstarter. It's because Brad's been behaving himself, really. Yeah. I don't know. It's just hasn't been as good lately. But there's there's two projects that we're definitely uh, well. We've already be we've already come to the conclusion we're being more discerning about yeah. And, what uh, we back and what we will don't. you stop playing with these pop figures while I'm we're sorry, recording? These two won't Jeezy stay peeps. up. Um, and then we're audience. also going to talk about our our new obsession uh, that we've been dealing with for the last <laughs> week and a half. Uh, we'll do a little bit of housekeeping first, though. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you search for Ad Tabletop for two, uh, you can find us there. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or any other podcatcher that you use. We have a BGG Guild. It's number 2623. Uh, follow us on there if you are a if you're one to use guilds on BGG. Uh, we're taking episode topics from listeners, so if you guys have a particular topic you'd like us to feature in our main segment, definitely hit us up uh, either online or in the BGG Guild, and we will certainly consider it. And uh, so with live streaming, um, we were going to use Periscope primarily, but I wasn't really satisfied with the video quality on Periscope. So I found an app for the iPad that actually direct uh, uploads to YouTube Live. So we might test that a little bit and um, might be using that as a source. So if you don't follow us on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed to our channel, uh, please do so. And like I said, uh, I plan on doing either uh, Clask or this next game that we're going to talk about as a uh, live play. Hopefully, someone here soon. Clask. Oh, sad note Mm. um, for all you listeners out there, fellow board gamers. Marbles, the brain store, is closing online and all of its um, brick and mortar locations. So they have some pretty good sales on there right now. But I'm very sad to see them go. Yeah. Like I said, it was, it was a pretty cool store. Um, I only say that because Brad mentioned Clask, and they were one of the few that were selling it yeah. for a while. So, But let's let's get into this this week. Um, so when we started kind of diving into the deeper end of the board gaming arena, one of the games that caught my eye uh, as something that I always wanted for a long time was Crokinole, um, the, the classic dexterity game. But obviously Crokinole has a pretty high... Cost of entry because it's a gorgeous piece of art. Also. Right. Yeah. So to to get a decent crokinole table usually would cost you upwards of one hundred and fifty dollars, and that just wasn't money that I was willing to spend. Uh, but recently, a couple months ago, uh, Mayday Games ran a Kickstarter. They they'd done several Kickstarters for budget priced crokinole tables, um, but with varying degrees of quality over the years. I've I'd, I'd always read up on those and heard that they weren't the greatest. Um, like you were definitely getting a budget table for the budget price. Well, the most recent one they did, um, they claim to have perfected the table making technique uh, for for their crokinole tables, and they had it available for ninety nine bucks. So I said, "What the heck? We'll take a shot." We ordered one, um, came to us pretty quickly, and we cannot stop playing crokinole <laughs> <laughs> because that game. Is really fun. It is super fun. Um, if you don't know what Crokinole is, it's a game. Um, it takes place on, I think it's a 26 inch wooden surface. So it's, it's, think of it as like mini shuffleboard in a lot of ways. And the surface is, is a circular surface that has a cutout hole in the middle. Um, and then there's a 
concentric circles around that 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 go outward. So there's a small circle that surrounds the hole. There's a larger circle around that circle, and then an even larger circle around that. And then there's a well around the outside of the board, basically. And it's and each player. Uh, when you're playing Crokinole, has 12 of these discs, um, these wooden discs that you are going to be flicking uh, in the game. And the, and the goal is to try to get the disc into the center hole as much as possible. Um, the, each ring is worth a number of points at the end of the round when you're done flicking discs. Um, you'll but score you can't points. just flick haphazardly at the middle. If your opponent has a disc on the board, you have to try and hit their disc. Right, which is a clever thing because, like, so like if, like I was saying, if you are, if it's your turn to flick and there's no discs on the board, you're actually trying to flick your disc either in the center or in that center ring, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you actually have to land your disc within that, like the the circle, not not the cutout hole in the middle, but the but the middle circle. Um, to even leave it on the board at all. Uh-huh. And then when it's your turn and your opponent does have any discs on the board, you have to actually make contact with at least one of their discs as well, or you can't keep the shot on the board, basically. Um, also around the, around the circle, center ring. The, around the center ring, um, there is eight pegs, basically, that are there to help make it a much more difficult to shoot shoot the little discs into and the center area. there's two sets. There's wooden pegs, and then there are metal screws that you put rubber hose around mm. that make it a little more unpredictable. Because they bounce off We've a little played bit more. with both. I like both for di- for varying reasons, but we've been playing more so with the rubber hose because it's a little more fun. A little more wild. Fun. <laughs> and, uh, and so you and your opponent will be taking turns um, flicking these discs in you know around the board. Uh, once you've each shot in 12... Um, you're going to look to see where the discs lie on the board, and you're going to score points for each of your discs. Any discs that you landed in the set in the cutout circle are going to be worth 20 points. The middle ring is worth 15. The ring outside of that is worth 10. The ring outside of that is worth five. And basically, whoever, much like curling, whoever um, scores the most points, basically they earn the difference in points between those two um, between those two numbers on the scoreboard. Um, and then you you set up for another round. The first player to get to 100 points. Uh, wins the match. Yeah, we've we've not been able to stop playing this. We've no. probably played it ten times at least. Now I I guarantee the part of it's because we have yet to mount it on the wall, so it's always sitting on the table. I'm like, hey, let's go play. Yeah, that was the other cool thing about this uh, about the Mayday board is that it came with little um the little eye screws already set up in the back of it, where you all you have to do is run some picture hanging wire. And you can hang it up on the wall when you're done. Um, we also purchased a like a clock thing, which is not the greatest, um, that you can also mount on the pegs. Yeah. So you can use it as a functional you know, clock when you're not playing it. But that's whatever. Um, the game itself, like I said, it's, it's, Crokinole is a classic, and there's a reason it's classic, because it's really simple, um, but it's also really fun to play. Uh, as far as the board quality goes, this so far we've had no problems. Um, it's it's very well done. It, like M said, it looks very nice. It's pretty, yeah, it's, I love it. Yeah, the the outer board itself is made of like a like a cherry. Well, as I said, finish. I fell in love with one that I saw online, and it was like all the cherry wood and everything, and it was so gorgeous. But it was like four hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, I just can't spend that. Right, right. And um. And then when we got this one, I, Brad never even showed it to me, really. He's just like, okay, I'm backing this. All right, fine. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we got it, and I was like, oh, it's got the pretty cherry. Yeah. Like, I was so excited. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's going to look pretty, because we've been trying to find something for our kitchen wall for the longest time, mm-hmm. and this will look great in there. Yeah, and it's, it, it's, it's just really fun. And like I said, I like the, the, the clever rules with the game. Like I said, having to flick, having to hit your opponent's discs um, is really nice and actually and makes the game strategic. Don't get frustrated. <laughs> yeah, M, M when, when, if she's if she's if I'm having a good round, she just starts flicking haphazardly, not concentrating <laughs> on the shots. I, I go, going full tilt basically. Oh no, my best, game. my best worst shot has got to be. He's got one right sitting in the middle, and I flick it, and it goes right towards his but it hits the lip of the hole in the middle and completely jumps over his and slides off the board i'm like <laughs> are you kidding me right now and and it's like it's it's not a it's not a hard game to get good at either like i feel like that i'm even halfway decent already of ever having played i'm probably not like if i ran up against someone who actually knows right. what the hell they're doing in crocodile i'd probably get I, i'd probably I'm, get a roll pretty but, good i i don't i don't like the straight on i'm getting much better from the angles yeah you know trying to get stuff yeah so we we like this one a lot um as soon as we played it this is one that i would love to to stream at some point mm-hmm. um i think that would be really fun so yeah crokinole guess i gotta get my language in check though oh yeah well yeah <laughs> we're playing for sure um so yeah crokinole like i said if you can find a good affordable table well worth it um really fun game that we're gonna get our money's worth and more out of oh absolutely for sure, for sure. Um, next on the list is Glass Road. We had this game very early on in our gaming career, life, whatever you want to call we it. We had a couple years ago. And I think it was too early on for us because we did not like it at all the first you, time you we played it. You especially, you really didn't care for it at I all. I just, it it just did not jive with, jive with me at all. Well, I took a flyer on it again. Um, we picked it up in a trade just because it, it gets a lot of praise. And I was like, surely, it, it, with as much praise as the game gets, it's got to be. Well, and that's the thing. Like, decent, so. And how many other games have you said, oh, but everybody raves about this game and we haven't liked? But I told him I would give it another shot. Mm-hmm. And we played the other night and we both really liked it a lot more than we did the first time. I yeah. think it's also because we're more seasoned with how. His games work, mm-hmm. so that probably Uwe, Uwe, helps. Uwe Rosenberg for those um, for not aware. But would you agree with that? A little bit. Um, and I, I think also like when the first time we, the only time we played it previously is it was we were using like the starter buildings that mm-hmm. they recommend use, and I enjoyed having access to the greater range of stuff in this one. Um, I also like this game a lot because it is a. It's a lighter Rosenberg game in terms of, like, you can play it quickly, but there's still a lot of meaningful choices. Um, the way the game works is pretty interesting, too. So you each have this these personal player boards that have 16 spaces on them, and some of those spaces are covered with forests and other features when the game begins. And then there is a, a, a central display of buildings available. There's always 12 buildings available each round, um, and there's three different types of buildings. There's... Um, like production or conversion buildings, which you can convert resources to other resources. Uh, there's these buildings that give you one-time abilities that you can use when you acquire them, and then buildings that'll score you victory points in various ways during the game. The way the gameplay works is that each player has a identical hand of 15 cards, and each of these cards has a different role on them, and each of the roles has two different actions that can be that can be done. Now, 
when the round starts, you're each each player is going to secretly take five of those cards and put them in their hand. And then in the two-player game, um, players alternate taking turns putting down one card at a time. Now, when you play a card, if, you're, if your opponent does not have that specific card in their hand, you get to perform both actions on the card. However, if your opponent does have that card in his hand, then you each only get to perform one of the actions on the card. You get to choose which action you do, but it makes the card less effective. So when you are when you are choosing which cards you want at the beginning of the round, you want to you want both a hybrid of cards that you don't think your opponent is going to use that will help you and also a couple of cards that you think they will pick because you want to be able to play cards on their turn as well, which right. helps you but also helps you because it makes what they're doing less effective. Um even more important in a two-player game since it's zero sum. And the the way the uh, the cards work is it's usually gathering resources or adding features like ponds or sand pits to your to your tableau or purchasing buildings. And the other unique thing about Glass Road is the way the resources work in this game. Um, basically, you each have two dials um, on a board that are that go in front of you, and then the resources are tokens that are you know put on spaces on these wheels essentially. And based on the positioning of the dial. That's how many resources. That's how many resources of each type you have. So, like, you know, the and the two dials have these. Um, they each have these two spokes on them, essentially. And you know, you know, the space right next to the spoke is zero resources, and then the next space over is one, two, and so on. Right. And, so and the bigger chunk of the wheel is your your more useful resources. Your basic resources. And then the inside wheel, one's glass and one's brick. Right, and those are the harder ones to get, and they're the more important ones to get because they're primarily what you need to build buildings with. But where it's clever is that if you ever have no zero resources of the basic resource types, or you you have three less than three resources of the... um, of the brick of the brick or glass type you have to rotate these dials until basically you hit until they get it's stopped not, it's not if you have zero if nothing's on the zero space that's what i meant yeah <laughs> nothing's on the zero that's that's a better way to describe it but essentially by rotating the dial you are going to gain you're going to lose some of your basic resources, but you're going to gain brick or glass right. by doing Which that. And that's the other way to get brick yeah, or glass. Yeah, that's the best way to do and, it. And and so there's this little puzzle involved with with manipulating how, you know, how you allocate your basic resources so that you can get the building resources that you need to do what you got to do. And it's a pretty quick game. You can play it two players within 45 minutes once you know once you know what's up. And you know, like I said the second time around for us, this was it was a much better experience than we had Absolutely. the first time. And I I enjoyed it a lot. You did too. I did. For that matter. I did. And it, it was it was a good time. And there's a ton of buildings in the game like you are going to come where nowhere close to seeing all of well, the buildings. Well, and it's only what four rounds you said? Yeah, it's only yeah. four rounds in the game. <laughs> he looks at me because it's very low score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I have to warn you about that with some of his games now because I remember you were really uh when we played this you were really put off because you remember I remember the first time we played you said, Oh, it's you know, one of those where I feel like I couldn't do anything and then I didn't score any points, I don't feel like I accomplished anything. Yeah, well I didn't. I think you did much better this time though. Of course we tied because, because that's what we want to do. That's what we do. We tie. But uh and then what did it say? Oh, there's uh, both, multiple both winners. winners. Both I'm like, win. no, that's that's both losers to me. But uh, but you still you still had a good time, and that's still one that I I can see hitting the table many more times in the future. So yeah. that was that was Glass Road. And what we play it was like what forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that was, like I said, I'm glad we gave it a second chance, uh, and it definitely paid off for us the second time around. Uh, The last new game to talk about before we move into Kickstarter uh, is Thebes. We picked this up on the cheap uh, because Queen Games had a sale on a ton of their games on Amazon a few weeks back. So we picked up this and Escape Big Box and Alhambra Big Box. Um, I want to play Alhambra again. Yeah, because we need to dig into the expansions. Um, but Thebes is a it's it's got the, it's got a mechanic that I really enjoy that we, that's in other games. Um, this is the mechanic that's in Patchwork, where there's a time track, and every time you do actions, you're going to spend a certain amount of time. But it's the player who's furthest back on that time track uh, is going to be the whose whose turn it is. So if if one player does a really big action where they use a lot of time, then the other player can do lots of little actions mm-hmm. in a row without being impeded. Um, the the purpose of themes it's a it's an archaeological archaeological game I can't talk to that apparently it's okay where you are because you already recorded one podcast today. yes where you're gathering uh, different you know resources and information and then using that those that info and and that knowledge to go on archaeological digs and you're trying to unearth different artifacts and things like that um, there are five dig sites in the game and each of them are populated with tokens that go into a separate bag for each dig site and there's different uh, artifacts that are worth certain numbers of victory points during the game at each dig site but then there's also a bunch of tiles that uh, that are blank tiles that are just junk that you that you pick up as you sift through so you, but you're trying to gain knowledge about these dig sites, and so you're going to go to different cities in Europe, and you're going to gain these cards. Every every time you move to a new city, though, and every time you gain one of these research cards, you have to spend time. So you have to really look at you know, what you're doing, because in the game, you only have, what is it, what's 52 times 3? You have 156 weeks of time to spend, because... Each you know each unit of time is a week, and then the game takes place over three years. Yep. And you ha- and you know you have that fixed amount of time, so you have to really make every action count and be efficient with the use of that stuff. I think we did pretty well our first time. I think so. And then once you get to the dig sites, um, based on the amount of knowledge that you have, you'll be able to, s- and and also based on how long you want to spend at that dig site in weeks, you'll pull a certain number of tiles. Out of the bag. And any, the max for both of those is 12. Yeah. Any uh, any tiles that are artifacts you keep, they're going to be worth victory points at the end of the game. And then any junk you actually throw back in the bag. So it's also similar to New Bedford is that the more the longer the game yeah, goes the on. Yeah, the open sea tiles go yeah, back. the longer the yeah. game goes on, the, more, the less likely you'll be able to pull stuff. So you might spend more time at a dig site that's been <laughs> this drawn guy, out a little bit. This guy got a little salty. Oh, it's because you were getting lucky pulls left and right. <laughs> because it's crazy. Well, no, because my last pull. Like I had a card where I could dig at a site where I, I had already dug, mm-hmm. and then I went there and I was like, ah, well, we'll give it a whirl. And I went and I managed to pull out, I think, like the two highest ones that yeah. were left. Oh, and 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 like you said, another another clever part of the game is you can only dig at each site once, once per year, yeah. so you can't just you know specialize in two areas it, and just yeah. keep farming it over and over again. Plus, there's the um, what are they called? Yeah, they have exhibits that yes, also exhibits. Um, exhibit cards that ask for specific combinations of artifact tokens. Color and, and number of tokens. Yeah, and so if you claim them, uh, because it belongs in a museum, then you get victory points for that stuff at the end of the game as well. <laughs> uh, well, I, what did I call this game? I, I was like, it's, in, it's Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones with less Nazis. Yes. Yeah, or with no Nazis at all, actually. <laughs> so, and, uh, based, 
you go through the three years, um, and then once you're done, you tally up all your victory points. Also, a nice feature of the game: hidden score. You know, not hidden scoring, but you know, uncalculable scoring during the game, so you can't uh, can't get bogged down with that. Oh my god! And then whoever's most points wins. Um, this was cool. I honestly, I honestly don't know how much we'll replay Thebes mm-hmm. because I feel like. I don't know. Like I, I like New Bedford more with the tile pulling mechanism, and I like Patchwork more with that time track mechanism. I like the combination of the two of those things in Thebes. I feel like Thebes may have gone a little too long. Like this, and it, it only took about an hour, but it just got a little repetitive for me. You think it was too basic for us? I don't know if it was too basic. I just felt like it was a little too tedious. I guess. Because the two-player game is actually the longest time-wise in, in, in the game. Because when you play more players, you shorten up the, the game time a little bit. Um, so yeah, it just, it just got a little monotonous. Um, the end game, also not great. Because once you've kind of exhausted all the dig sites, there's really not a whole lot else to do. I mean, you do get points for having the most research in each of the five colors. But that's, you know, that's that's kind of not really a great motivating factor. Like once, once you've kind of dug, like once you've dug up all the artifacts you really want to, then you're just kind of going through the motions during that last, uh, that last stretch of the game there in Thebes. So like I said, it was a good game. Um, it's not one that I would tell anyone to run out and buy right away with two players. It was fine. Like, so I don't would wanna... you rather like when the last site is dug no, because you still want I mean, because there's still purpose to going around in the different cities and acquiring those research cards, like because they still serve a purpose because they'll get you points at the end of the game. But it's just not or like you like you keep flipping through the pile to find those whatever well, cards. Yeah, they have like these co- these set collection cards as well that you can get that you get you know exponentially more points based on having more of them. Um, <laughs> but like it, archaeology, right? Well, and yeah, it reminded me a little bit of archaeology too, for that matter, as well. But yeah, it was just it was just okay. Like it was a fine game. I don't want to get rid of it. Like I'm fine continuing to have it. But the best part of the game is definitely doing the the site digs, and then like I said, once that that once that part's over, which usually happens like you know a quarter to halfway through that last year, it becomes decidedly less less fun. I guess, and you feel like you're just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, I can agree with that. When the game when the game ends, so Thebes was okay. Um, it, it's it's just all right. Like, so we're gonna keep it, but I I honestly don't see how I don't know how much it's gonna find its way onto our table once we play it the first time here. So that's it for new games. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna mention talk about a couple Kickstarters that we're gonna be backing uh, that are that are going on right now or coming soon. So stay tuned for that. Games. We haven't done this in a while. So we haven't been backing much in a while. <laughs> like I, I literally think the Crokinole board was the last actual project that we backed, and that was a couple months ago. Yeah. But there's uh there's a couple games coming up that I'm very excited about, and I think I know that you're very excited about one, one of, of them. these. Uh, but I hope you'll be excited about the second one uh, too. And that's the one we're gonna talk about first. There is a sequel, a long I don't want to say rumored sequel because it's been announced that it's happening, but it's a long-awaited sequel uh, to a game that we like quite a bit. Um, Red Raven Games, one of the first games that they came out with uh, was this 4X space game called Empires of the Void. And it's a game that we actually like quite a bit. um, But we never get to play. We don't play it often, 
but and we've talked about it on the show seldomly. It came up during our four X episode because for my money, um, it's one of the best four X games that you can get for two players. Um, there's a couple reasons for this. One, they do make the board considerably smaller for a two-player game, um, which helps keep things nice and close and tight. Um, the second thing is that the diplomacy, the way it's handled in this in Empires of the Void, is not through player interaction, but through interaction with the different planets in the game. Because when you make when you make a um, when you go to a planet and you're trying to acquire it, quote unquote, you can either do it diplomatically, which is difficult to do, but gets you some huge bonuses when you do it, or you can do it by force, which will get you some victory points, but really not a whole heck of a lot else. Um, and I really like that. And I think it's a really clever way to handle diplomacy that keeps that aspect of the game present, which because normally in most 4X games, negotiation goes away because you're only negotiating with one other player. So it doesn't really feasibly work well. Empires of the Void 2 is a game that's going to be hitting Kickstarter February 27th. So if you're listening to this when we post it, um, it won't be up quite yet. But if you if you waited a couple days after we posted this episode, it should be up on Kickstarter now. And I'm really, really excited for this game because it's not just Empires of the Void 2nd Edition. It looks like that he's that Ryan Lockett's actually creating a brand new game that just... That that is a legit sequel to Empires of the Void. Um, there's a bit of information about it on the most recent Red Ravens Games podcast. So if you were curious to hear Ryan Lockett talk about that, uh, you can listen to that episode. Um, but just a quick summation. Apparently, so in the first game, they had different. They had like an action selection mechanic where you had different actions that you were able to do on your turn, and then when it was your turn, you had like a certain number of action points. And you would perform all those actions, you know, however you wanted to allocate them. Well, in the second one, it's allocate? actually, yeah, yeah. What is this, law and order? Allocate, sorry. <laughs> um, in this in this new version, though, they're going to actually have a role selection mechanic that's similar to, like, Puerto Rico or Eminent Domain or Glory to Rome, where when it's your turn, you pick an action that you want to do off of a list of actions that are possible, and then your opponents can each follow you and do that action as well maybe with and and i think i don't think it's even like a lesser version of the action i think it's just they legit just get to do that action as well um the advantage to it being your turn is that you get to do it first um ryan like said he made this change because he wanted a game that had a little bit more interaction um and that sounds kind of interesting actually because i don't think i've ever seen that mechanic make its way into a 4x style game so I know you're hearing this information for the first time. What do you think about that? I'm just worried about the same thing I'm always worried about. We've played Empires of the Void, what, twice? No, we've played it like three or four times. Really? Yeah, like we've played like it twice. I mean, it's just been a while since we and have played it. And I'm just worried it's going to fall into that, oh, when are we ever going to play it? Well, it's... And space is at a premium in our tiny, tiny house. Yeah. So... I don't know. I think it's. I think it'd be really cool. I really do hope that they maintain that diplomacy mechanic from the first game, mm-hmm. um, and the art for the game. Like all that's been released so far has been the box cover, but it looks like a very, like a much sleeker art style than we've than usually see in his games. Um, so it's a, a bit of a change from what we've seen from Red Raven games previously. But I'm looking forward to it. It looks pretty cool. Um, I'm getting very excited about this. Like I said, the Kickstarter launches on the 27th of February. Um, I'll definitely be checking it out and probably going to be backing it 
because I'm interested to see how the updates for this game look once it comes out. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Well, would you like to talk about the second game that we're yes. looking at? Um, the second game, you've already backed this, right? Yes. Um, it's called The Last Garden. We actually played this, I think it was two years ago at Unpub. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. It was either two years ago or last year. It was not it was. last year. Okay. It was two years ago. Um, and it's just, ugh, it was one of those games that kind of stuck with me. We played it, and I was like, I had so much fun, and Brad could tell how much fun I was having. Mm-hmm. And I remember, was it like a week ago, he's like, honey, guess what? What? He goes, The Last Garden's going off on Kickstarter. I got all excited. I was like, did you back it yet? Did you back it yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's an interesting game because it's, uh, it's a worker placement game yeah. where you're actually placing your workers onto spaces that you're kind of betting will pay off with victory points each round. Because right. there's, there's a, as, as the title would indicate, there is a garden that has these different gems inside of it, different colored gems. Mm-hmm. And each turn you play a card from your hand that lets you manipulate the garden in some way, shape, or form. And then you place one of your one of your workers onto a board that has different scoring spaces. And the scoring spaces, like you're betting on... Like which quadrant will have, like which section of the garden will have the most gems? Which one will have, like, or which color will color. be most prevalent yeah. in the garden? That kind of stuff. And so you're you're betting on these spaces, so you're declaring kind of to your opponents what you're going to be doing to the garden on your turns. Yeah. So you're kind of trying to, you know, manipulate the garden in your favor, make it less beneficial for your opponents. But then, like, if you can see that you're not able to fulfill one of your objectives, you can kind of hedge a little bit. You know, on on different betting spaces, there's also spaces you can you can put your workers on that'll give you like power ups and stuff like that. That'll make your cards uh, work in different ways. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of giving up some points, but you get you know more more leeway with how the cards go out. Like I said, really really interesting game, really fun game. Um, this is from 1000 XP, a new a newer game company. And shocker of all shockers, I do believe we tied this one when we played it too, didn't we? Well, I mean, we tie everything else, so I would imagine that's probably I, true. I'm pretty sure that we tied this one when we played. But yeah, this this is like I said, it's a cool game. Um, like I said, we have played it. It's we really enjoyed the the one time that we have played it. It's 35 bucks on Kickstarter. Um, that's a that's a solid price for this. Um, I think it's a it's a really clever game, and and one that I would say bears checking out for sure mm-hmm. if it sounds interesting. And the, so, and the designer was super duper nice. Yep. Yeah. So, so check out the Last Garden. Um, the Kickstarter link will be in our show notes. So, yes. if you would like to to back it, definitely click through there and and check it out. Yeah. So, yeah, those are two Kickstarter projects we're looking at. We're going to come back in a second, and we're going to review Legendary Encounters. All right, so Legendary Encounters, um, the alien deck building game. It's a game we've had in our collection for quite some time. Um, You've heard us rave about it before. uh, You have, because I believe, what was this, number two, I think, of our, when we did our top 20? I don't remember. It was high high up there. I can't remember exactly what number it ended up at, but it's, I would dare say it's definitely our favorite deck building game uh, by a wide margin. Uh, it was published in 2014, uh, designed by Ben Chikoski and Daniel Mandel, and published by Upper Deck Entertainment. Um, this is a very, very fun deck-building game uh, that also has a lot of really fun theme in it as well. 
Oh, absolutely. So, uh, so let me take. So, if you've ever, and it's funny because we had Legendary Marvel Legendary, which was the first Legendary that game was in the series. Too easy, right? It just it never really clicked with us. Um, and we even played with friends. We figured, oh, well, let's try it four player. Maybe it's a little more difficult. No, it was still. Well, and and the reason I think that Marvel Legendary failed for us is because it's Marvel Legendary is a semi cooperative game where you are working together to kind of defeat the overall threat, but you're also kind of working to score the most points. So it's a little unfulfilling. What's different with Legendary Encounters is that this is a fully cooperative game where you are both either succeeding or failing with one another (laughs) um, against the game itself. And oh my, how many times we failed. Well, it's because this game is not not the easiest of of birds. Um, So in Legendary Encounters, there are... Whenever you play, you're going to have three objectives um, that you have to fulfill. And Well, you're playing each of the movies. Well, that's the way they have it set up. But you can also, if you want to mix and match objectives and characters, you can do that as well. But they do have it set that you can play each of the four, um, the first four Alien films. Yes. Um, which is the way that we've always done it, actually. I don't think we've ever mixed and matched. I think we've just, because there, there are synergies with the different characters um, that work well with the we specific objectives we haven't done like the avp yet have we no and nothing like that but we're not even going to talk about that until much later on um so when you set up the game you're going to like like i said you're going to have three objectives and each of those objectives comes with its own specific deck so you're going to have the deck for objective three on the bottom shuffled up the objective two deck goes on top of that and the objective one deck goes on top of that and then you're also going to take um a number of different character decks that are in the game it's normally four and you're going to shuffle all those up together to create the deck building pool um, that you, the players are going to be drawing from. And each of you start with identical uh, starting decks, which basically have grunts, which give you uh, attack points. And you have scientists that give you recruit points, which for this game is essentially money for all intents and purposes. Right. Um, when it's your turn, you're going to have six cards in your hand. And you're going to be it's it's very simple from a gameplay perspective. You're going to use your recruit points to acquire new character cards uh, from the character pool that's available, there's always five character cards available at any given time to choose from, and you can add them to your deck. They, of course, when you acquire them, they go to your discard pile, and then when you shuffle your deck, those cards will be available for you to draw in future turns. And then you can also use your attack points in a variety of different ways as well, um, because each turn, a card is going to be drawn and kept face down from the alien deck, which is called the hive deck. And it's going to run along this track that's at the top of the board. The track has five spaces. And then if a card ever gets pushed along that track um, all the way, it's going to enter into a combat zone, which if the card had not been revealed by that point um, would then be flipped over. And it's going to be a constant threat that you're going to have to deal with um, every subsequent turn until the card is defeated. Yes. Essentially. Some are more easily defeated than others. Right. So when you're using your attack points, you can use it to attack any face-up threats that are in the combat area or or on the the sliding track that you know the different rooms that they move through. Or you can use it to scan the different rooms as well to flip the card that's in that room face up so you can see what it is. Now, if this is an enemy, then that's some usually fine because it just reveals them. Yes, but some of them have reveal effects. Yes, yeah, some of them have nasty effects nice. that happen when when they get revealed. Um, and sometimes it might be an event or a hazard card, and those are never good. No, those are those are usually always terrible. 
Um, one of the other things I forgot to mention in the game is that each game is played at a specific location in the Alien universe, mm-hmm. um, and what location you're in is going to determine how the hazards will negatively impact you. Right. And then the events are tied to whichever objective you happen to be on, because each objective has a different event card And they're particularly nasty sometimes. Yes, they are. They are always awful. Um, also, when you began the game, you each received an avatar card, um, which has your char- your character, like your player character on it. And then you get two cards... Uh, no, it's one. It's one. Uh, you oh, get a sorry. special card time, that gets added to your deck. The last time we played the character, I had had two cards. Yeah, you you get a special card that's added to your deck that uniquely that only, that only you get to use. And your character also has a number of hit points. This is important because at the end of your turn, any enemies in that are in the combat area zone. are going to attack you, and they attack you through the strike deck, which is the bane of everyone's existence oh my. in the alien in, in legendary encounters because the strike cards are damaging cards that will damage you from anywhere from one to five hit points um, or just come up with other just ridiculously terrible nasty effects that could possibly like derail like, you. Oh, no strike, but you'll have to draw an extra strike next turn. And I'm like, right. what? Yeah, or or some strikes, you know, some it's like a double can't strike. Be healed. Yeah, some some card like some cards you can heal through other card effects later in the game. So basically, the strike cards have white numbers and red numbers. If it's a red number, you can't heal it. Right, it's permanent damage to you. Yeah. Um, but you're going to be able to face these threats because as you acquire new characters throughout the game, they all have special, unique abilities on each of their cards that you'll be able to use to. And there's symbols down the sides of them as well. Well, yeah. So each each character has a class, and each character has like a. A, an identifier with the movie that they're from is what it kind of ends up being. Right. And they have basically some of the cards can chain and combo with each other. If you've played cards previously on your turn that have the same, either the same class symbol or the same, or like if you play, if you played a such and such corporation card, then you can uh, do this extra bonus thing because of this card. And right. Such so, and, yeah. so when you're building those decks, you really want to, Work around the synergies to to kind of maximize your your effectiveness. Also, it's good to note whatever your partner has because then you can try and if you can chain off of them mm. by saying, "Oh, hey, well, here I can let you have this card," or you know, mm. yeah. And and one of the things that I really like about Legendary Encounters that they added to the game that was not in Marvel Legendary is the special coordinate action where you can actually yes, play that's, cards. That's what I'm talking about. I can't remember. Yeah, what it was. on your on your on your partner's turns um, to aid them either with recruit points or attack points, or which helps you out because you get to draw a card to replace that card. So yeah, it so could, it's, it could be better. Yep. So and so you're going to be going through. Um, each objective has a certain you know, requirement that you're attempting to fulfill. Usually it's seeking out a specific uh, special objective card that's in that deck and then doing something crazy with it until you get down to deck three, um, which is usually where the final boss lies for that scenario. And they're they're usually very difficult to kill. Um, The enemies, as you would expect, also get progressively harder as you move throughout the game. Um, All sorts of different nasty alien creatures and stuff like that. And because it's alien and the game tries its damnedest to be as thematic as possible, there are also uh, face huggers. And chest bursters. And chest bursters. So sometimes you'll draw a face hugger card 
uh, which is not good because when you take a face hugger, it just kind of sits in front of you until it comes back around to your turn. If you have not dealt with it at that point, then you take a chestburster card that gets shuffled or it gets it gets put into your discard pile and will eventually be shuffled into your deck. And that is basically a, a doom timer. timer. Yes. It is a doom timer. It is a doom trap. Because as soon as you draw that card, uh, unless you're lucky enough to be able to somehow get rid of it before you draw it, then you are immediately killed and eliminated from the game. Now we had a game where I don't I don't remember what the circumstances were. We both ended up with a chess bircher in our deck. Mm-hmm. And I remember I died first and then your very next turn you drew yours and I was like, "Yeah, oh, Jesus." So, and you're going to keep going throughout the game um until either at least one of you has survived and completed the final objective or until all of you have been killed. And actually, the last game that we played Brad died and left me hanging, and mm-hmm. I hung on by a thread and won the damn game. Yeah, so you can you can win even <laughs> if uh, even if someone does not does not win. Um, now there are a couple other things that are in this game um, that kind of extend the replay value aside from the four movies that are in there. Um, there's also a mechanic where if you die via chestburster, um, you can actually become an alien yourself and and acquire a new deck of cards and start basically fighting against all of the other players that are left standing in the mm-hmm. game. Um, we have actually never tried this mode because I don't feel like that it would be a very fun thing to do with two players. No, no. <laughs> I feel, I I feel like that this, would take the would, game from hard to win to impossible when one player this, dies. Yeah, this would be much better with um, more friends. With a bigger group. Yeah. Um, there's also a there's also these hidden agenda cards that you can use that can introduce the possibility of a traitor to the game, which of course in, in the Alien series is is something that's uh, omnipresent all the time. So if you choose to use that, uh, then you have one player who's secretly working against the rest of the group, and they can reveal themselves at any point, and of course once they do, you can start attacking them, um, so they have to kind of keep on the DL until, until they can... Uh, and I feel like whenever we play games like that where there's always somebody who's like the bad guy or the traitor, mm-hmm. I always end up being the traitor yeah. every time, <laughs> every single time. And people, I do not have a very good poker face. I just kind of act pissed off and, yeah. you know, <laughs> just hope that people buy into my BS. Yeah. So, but that's that's basically the gameplay. Um, it's for, like I said, it's a pretty standard deck building game. Um, if you've played Legendary, Marvel Legendary, or any of the other Legendary games for that matter, you'll be right at home with the mechanics because the the game plays the same way um, as all of those other games do, with the exception of the way the co-op works. Um, if you have played any deck building games, you should also be quite fine. Um, yeah. Again, there's nothing too crazy here uh, that is any different from any deck builders. And if you have not ever played a deck building game, um, this would be an okay one to learn because it's pretty it's pretty rules light. Um, we'll talk about the rules in a second, but it's not too complicated. Just it, it is very difficult, though. So you might have to you might have to keep that in consideration. Well, and as well. I feel like certain certain movies were harder than others. Yeah, that's definitely true for sure. Um, now, as far as the two player differences in the game, there really isn't a lot because the game kind of plays out the same way, regardless of your player count. Um, the only thing that is different is that there is this uh, there's a deck called the drone deck. Which is these um these kind of generic alien cards that you can that you mix into each objective pile before the game starts, and a two player game uses less of these cards. Um, these cards are generally easier than the aliens that are actually in the scenarios, so adding more of them makes the game a little bit easier. So you use less when it's two players; otherwise, the game would be way too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, because with two players, you, you since you're taking more turns, you can craft your deck. Um a lot more expertly 
than you can with a higher player count game of this. And we've played this mostly with just the two of us. We have played it with other folks before as well. And it's a much, it is a much harder game with more people than oh, it is than it is with less is. people that we've um, found so I, far. I definitely felt the the heat more when we played, I think, four players than with mm. two. Now, the uh, for the rules overhead, like I said, the game is not very complex whatsoever. And the rules are not hard to grasp. However, the language, the language, yeah, there's a lot of specific keywords in the game that even after we've played as many times we've played and we've played a lot, we still have to go back in the rule book. What does this do again? Right. We have to die back in the rule book (laughs) to figure out a key term. So like a reference sheet with all those keywords might have been nice because they do have like a small reference on the back of the rule book, but it's mostly for setup. Right. Um, So it would have been cool to have a nice reference sheet. I guess you can I guess there probably is one on BGG we could print out if we really wanted to. Um, The rule book is also not laid out in the best fashion. Um, I would have appreciated like a either like an index or like kind of a GMT style laying out of different uh, the way they have their you know bullet points laid out to make it a lot easier to reference stuff and find stuff. Because usually when you have to go back in there to find a term, you're kind of combing through the entire book um, every single time. So one one thing I don't think we've done yet for the reviews that we've added is we're going to talk about how how complex the game was to learn, which Emily will talk about, and how complex <laughs> the game was to teach, yes, which I'll talk about. I <laughs> never read the rules. Brad always reads the rules and just tells me what to do. Well, I can tell you from the teaching standpoint, again, it's it was a very easy game to teach to M because she already we had already played Marvel and we were well versed in deck builders, so there wasn't anything crazy whatsoever that I had to explain outside of the different unique terms and stuff like that. Well, as I said, that's my biggest thing was trying to understand the terms and like the the little the little what are they, the down the side of the card. Oh, the little class symbols, like the specialist yeah. symbols. So there's like uh the the fist and then there's like the little blue one and the a red one, one yeah. and like there's the black one that looks like a microchip or something. Mm. Um, just trying to figure out how all that kind of worked together because I was under the impression, I think the first time, um, I did not realize that you had to play that card in be- specific order before yeah. you played the card that had the bonus on it. And I would play the bonus card first and then play that. And Brad's like, no, it doesn't work that way. I was like, oh, you know, aside from that, it wasn't too bad. That is that actually I'm glad you brought that up because that is this this game does do. Some little like nuance, slight changes from like most deck building games. Like in this game, you have six yeah, cards six instead, cards of, instead five. of five. And and <laughs> like I'm said, like the order in which you play cards is super important in right. Legendary and in other deck building games. Sometimes like said, it's not that way. If you want to play this card just to get that bonus, you have to make sure you play the card with that symbol or that corporation or whatever on it first right. before you play that card in order to use yeah. that bonus. If you don't play a lot of deck builders, that's usually not a problem because you'll just learn this however it is. But if you do bounce around to a lot of deck building games, sometimes you can, like, wait, is it this game that this works well, this way? Or, you know, that every kind of thing. time, you can ask Brad every single time we play. I'm like, this one's six, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, I'll do that with other games that we've played a million times. I'm like, is this five or six? <laughs> <laughs> She's not lying. It's absolutely true. <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> so as far as so obviously like we're we're very high in this game. Um, no surprise we you know said so upfront about it. Um, the things I really like about it. I mean, it, for Pete's sake, before the expansion came out, I already had sleeves ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Come on. Now I I really do enjoy with this one that it really 
when you're when you're building your deck, it really is predicated on designing it around the different abilities. Because like we talked about the little specialist roles that are on the cards, you really do want to specialize in one or two of those. Right. Because like your avatar has like one of those different little colored class things. Mm-hmm. And you kind of want to work around that and then, right. you know, try and help work with your partner. Because I know there's a couple times where I'm like, oh, hey, I have this. I can coordinate to you. Mm. So, bam, there you go. Well, and the cooperative nature of the game is really cool because you can essentially, as you're playing, set up like, all right, you know, I'm going to be like the, you know, the the big attack guy and I'll get all the great attack cards and I'll be the one doing the, the right. brunt of the work. And then the other player, like, they can get like like a lot of support cards and and sort of things like that to help out and well, specialize like said, in certain It all depends areas. on how your cards come out at first, too, mm-hmm. on that first turn to see how you're going to go because you're going to go one way or the other. Right. One's going to go one way, one will go, you know, and yep. then that way. Because usually it ends up one of us is the attack person and one of us you know, tries to get the cards to help you heal because mm-hmm. we know things are going to go supporting and stuff like that. Things are going to go south and go south fast because that's how it happens. And and much like other cooperative games, I also dig the calamitous nature of the game, how things can spiral downhill really quickly. And like, that's and like so you wouldn't think that'd be fun, but actually in this game like, it is a lot of fun. Oh, let's let's scan this room, reveal the alien. Add another alien card to the hive. I'm like, son of a biscuit, which nine times out of ten pops one in the combat zone, mm-hmm. which you're not planning on. And then, oh, here's, you know, infected wound. Bam. You know, or just, you know drawing these terrible strike cards Deep when no gash. one can prevent them and stuff Boom. like that. Um, what else? What other stuff do you like about this one? <laughs> uh, well, I said, I, I enjoy how much it keeps me on the edge of my seat, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, where some games it would stress me out. This one, it doesn't stress me out in a bad way. It stresses me out in a good way, if that makes any yeah, sense. that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, though, I will say with this one, so it took us probably four or five tries mm-hmm. to get through the first movie and, like, win. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the third movie. But the even-numbered movies, we passed on the first try. I'm like, did we just get lucky, or were well, that's, they easy? That's, that's one thing that I, I think is a little bit of a critique with the game, right. is that the, the scenarios are not terrifically balanced. And I and I don't know if that's has to do with the player count. I don't know if that has to do with just it's some scenarios are easier than others. But like you said, Aliens and Alien Resurrection, I don't think we've lost playing those scenarios no. ever. And, and Alien, Alien 1 and Alien, Alien 3... I, Much more difficult. <laughs> I know. I know. It was at least five times before we won the first one, and mm-hmm. the third one was probably at least that many, if not more. Right. Because I remember we just kept getting so frustrated and so frustrated. But then I remember the first time we played Aliens. Oh, we we we, we ran through we it. We breezed through right. it. I mean, it was like Big Bang. And, and the and the second time we played, we're like, all right, that must have been a fluke. No, we we had relative ease going yeah. through, going through that one. So, like I said, it's a little bit imbalanced from that standpoint. Um, but they actually have fixed that, um, which is something we'll talk about at the end of the review, which is kind of cool. Hopefully, oh, so, with the expansion, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, but yes, that was one thing. Um, another thing that I dislike, and I think we're required by law to say this if you're talking about a game in the Legendary series. The sorting of cards when you first get oh, this game is God. always terrible. And I'm sure if you've ever heard any other like board game reviewer talk about any of the other legendary games, you've heard this complaint. But the cards are arranged together in the most nonsense making manner that you could possibly There's imagine when you un- no, when you first unbox it. Absolutely no rhyme or reason to it. Now once you've once you've organized them, 
you're good. Yeah. You're good. Like, uh, once you've, you know, because basically you have to pile the cards. Each objective deck has to be put together. Each of the character decks have to be put together. But they are not in the cellophane in any way, shape, or no. form that makes any kind like, of sense. you'll have, you'll go through the first one, and here be, like, ten grunt cards. And then here's objective one, two, three for this scenario. And then here's, oh, here's this monster. Here's this monster. Here's this monster. But no multiples of anything. You just have to go through everything and kind of pile sort it as you go I mean, along. Like like when we when we do these, we have like our whole table is full with with like forty piles of cards basically. Now the last, and it takes like an hour. Now when we did the when we got the expansion, mm-hmm. I actually did it myself because I'm like, okay, well it's a smaller box. We'll see. I think it took me. Well, I also sleeved them as well as I was going, so it mm-hmm. took me about two and a half hours. I think that's a long time. And but I also, I mean, like I said, I was sleeving them, and I took all the little dividers and wrote the names mm-hmm. on the dividers, like I did with the other ones. Yeah, at least at least they do provide you with dividers to make it easier to organize and stuff right. like that, which is cool. And I gotta say, I love the playmats for these. Yeah, games. It, com- it comes the with play a playmats uh, are so nice. Yeah, I know. I know Marvel Legendary came with a board, but I think every game that's come out since then has actually come out with like a very nice custom neoprene playmat and it is very nice it's got a lot of art from the the different the cards art on is there the best thing about it yeah well <laughs> keep in mind this is a this is a mature game um there's lots of gory images and stuff like that on the cards and on the playmats and stuff like that so is i would keep kids if you're if you're sensitive about that sort of material keep kids away from it. but of yeah. course if you've seen the alien movies you probably know what you're getting into oh absolutely at that point yes. and i do love yes. i i do really love how thematic the game is um obviously it's following the story of the different alien films um but i do feel like it's a lot of fun this game also prompted me to one day i'm sitting there on amazon it's like deal of the day here's the alien quadrilogy plus prometheus Mm -hmm. for 20 bucks i'm like okay sold it's a good time so (laughs) and so i said if you're if you're a fan of the of the alien movies definitely worth checking out uh the art's pretty cool too because Mm -hmm. they're using the art from the i'm assuming there were comics that followed the films as well at some point but and the art's being pulled from that i don't think they had it done specially for the game um but it's very cool like i said it looks very interesting some of the cards are better than others because i think they use a number of different artists so Mm -hmm. some of them look a little more cartoony uh, than others, but again, it looks it looks very neat, and and I'm a big fan. Some of, of the names of the cards are funny too. Yeah, yeah, because all, the cards are usually named after different lines or events from the mm-hmm. game and stuff of that nature. It's um, even funnier if you get the Predator one. They have some good ones in that one. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll talk about that at the end here. <laughs> so how how heavy um, would you say this is for me? For me, this is very squarely. Like medium yeah, to medium light. This even, is so. this is like right in the middle for me. Right, like I said, it's not a complex game; it's just a hard game because it's cooperative. Right, it's easy enough to teach to non gamers. Um, yeah, we've had we've had no problem teaching this to people that don't normally play games, and you know, a couple rounds in, they get they get what's going yeah, on. Yeah, so no problems there at all. So I would say it's firmly in the middle for me. Yeah, as far as as far as um, comparable weights, um, and we'll stick with deck builders specifically because it is a deck building game. Um, I'd say it's a little bit more tricky than like Ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, probably on the level of like a Dominion, I guess I'd say. I know you haven't played Dominion, but I, I'd say that's probably that's probably a good place to stick. Have it. you? Uh, a couple times, yeah, oh. I played it a couple times. Probably when you were at Netrunner Night, something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what other deck builders trains. Where would you put it compared to trains? Put mm-hmm. on, I'd put it on the level of trains, I guess. Yeah. 
Just because just cause it does have that cooperative mechanic and chaining the cards together and stuff but like that. But so. maybe not quite, because may, I'm trying to think what else. Maybe not quite as much as, like, Eminent Domain, because I feel like that one has a little more strategy. Yeah, that, that, I would say that's probably you know true I mean? as well. Even though Eminent Domain's not technically a deck builder, but that's I know what you're getting at. You know that, what I so, mean. Yeah, I know what you're getting at. It's not that. technically, but it is. So who who would you recommend this game to? Um, fans of deck builders, and especially if you're a fan of the Alien series. Now, would you, would you recommend someone who, do you think someone who's just a fan of the subject matter could get into this and have a good time? That's a tougher one to call. That because, I'm yeah. not sure of. It de- I mean, it depends. I mean, if you like to play games, even if it's just casually, mm-hmm. but you have to like... You have to like a challenge, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you have to enjoy deck building. And even if you don't like deck building games normally, I would still say that you might want to give this one a shot because I think the cooperative aspects and the difficulty better. of the game makes it a little bit more challenging than your than like a typical run of the mill deck building style game. But at the end of the day, it is still a deck builder. So if you really just don't like the whole deck building thing, um, then I'd steer clear of it. Um I would definitely recommend like this this could be a great game to introduce friends to who aren't necessarily game players um that uh that might be able to get them into board gaming a little bit if you if they can get drawn in by the license. So if you have a, f- a friend that's a big fan of Alien um that you're trying to get to play games, this might be a good jumping in point. You might yeah. just struggle um while they kind of grasp it, but I I do think they'll come around on well, like it. Like I said, we've had some friends quickly. play this and like he said couple turns in they kind of get it and they're like all right this is how this works so if you primarily play with two players would you recommend picking this one up uh yes yeah i think i mean i've had fun with four but Mm. like you said it it definitely ratchets up the difficulty i really enjoy playing this with you i do as well i I like playing with you as well i i will say just to play devil's advocate the only hesitation that you you would have is if you like your cooperative games to be very difficult then you may want to research before you buy just because i feel like of all of our co-ops we've probably won in this game more than any other one i would say would you would you agree with that i'm trying i'm struggling to think of a cooperative game that we have been more successful in than this one no i can yeah but that but that being said even a lot of times where we have been successful it has been you know, both of us have only a couple hit points left and we're struggling and limping along to the end, that sort of thing. So you still get the, that, you know, the heart pounding moments and that sort of thing. Um, but like I said, we, you know, like we said up front, we love this game to death. Um, it's one of our absolute favorites. Like when I had the chest burster in my deck, every time he's like, Oh, do you have a card to coordinate? I'm like, Yeah, but I don't want to. (laughs) I was like, that means I have to draw another card. It could be that one. Right. So, so that's Legendary Encounters Alien Deck Building Game. Now, we'll take a brief moment to talk about two other products that are in the same vein. Um, one of them is Legendary Encounters Predators, which is also a game that we do own. Mm-hmm. Now, where Predators differs from Alien is that there's actually two games inside this box. There's the Encounters game, which is pretty much the same as Alien, where you go through both of the first two Predator movies um, and do the same kind of stuff where you're playing against the game and all that. They also have a competitive mode in Predators, where each of you is a predator fighting against the humans. And we've only played this mode a couple of times, and I'll definitely say it hasn't struck us the same way right. that 
Like, we've played Predator a heck of a lot less than we've played Alien. And I think some of that is to do with, I, I feel like Alien is really tuned well for the cooperative play. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you're doing the dueling mode in Predators, you're missing a little something. Yeah. I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. Now, you can you can mix and match the two sets as well. So you can essentially do Predators versus Aliens, or you can do Alien Humans versus the Predators, and they can team up with Danny Glover and stuff like that if you want to. So there's, there, there's, there's some crossover potential. Yeah. With this one, um, so if you you know if you like to play, but we're we're boring and we just keep the sets the same way the way that they're supposed to be. Like yeah. we haven't even mixed the movies at all no. in this one. Like I said, we did get the Alien expansion that came out. Yeah, um, we and which we haven't gotten. We haven't talked about it on the show yet because we haven't played it a whole lot. So look forward to that at some point. Well, we also haven't played because they with that one they have like the alien queen mode where one of you can be the alien queen fighting against her. It's a one right. versus many mode. Um, so we wanted to to play that more Which thoroughly. That came with a cool little play mat too. Yeah. So we wanted to play we wanted to play that one more thoroughly before we talked about it on the show. Um, what I will say though that it, this adds to alien to the regular alien deck building games. It has two new scenarios which are. Completely custom, like they're not based on any of the movies. They're they're new scenarios designed and it for the game. Adds to like the other to the base game. It adds the hard hard mode cards essentially. Yeah. So base, so basically in in this game there are hard versions of each location and each objective. Yeah. So that if you know, like we said, aliens is really easy for us. So next time we play aliens, we're gonna actually use the hard stuff Absolutely. and see if yes. that kicks up the challenge and makes it a little bit more. A little bit more brutally difficult, so that'll be really fun. I, I think. hope it makes it more difficult because it's no fun to just win all the time. Yeah. And this one also adds um, the expansion also adds new characters, and some of the characters have multiple have symbols for multiple movies on them as well. So you can mix and match them with the different uh, with the different movie decks as well, which is kind of a great way to add some replayability and mix things up a little bit. So of the expansion, we've only played one of the new scenarios so far, and we had a great. A great time with it. Mm-hmm. It was it was really fun. They added some new mechanics to the game that were really interesting. They added some meaner aliens. They did. So this is so that's one that if you uh, if you do pick up Legendary Encounters and you really dig it, then I would say tentatively say for now that the expansion would also be a good buy. We'll give you a full impression on that once we've kind of once we've kind of played with all the different mechanics <laughs> in that box because there yeah. are there are a lot of things that it adds. But yeah, Legendary Encounters. Um, you know, like we said at the at the jump, Marvel Legendary really didn't do it for us. We actually ended up getting rid of that game. And I remember when I picked this up, you were skeptical because you were like, "Hey, we really didn't care for Marvel. What what makes us any better?" And I'm You're like, like, "Well, this honey, one's, it's co-op, right? This is cooperative. <laughs> it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be fun." And I know that you fell in love with it like the first time that we played it. Uh huh. And it's even one, though we lost, yeah, terribly, but it's easily it one of so our bad. most played games for sure. And and one that's a lot of fun. And if you again, even even if you like deck builders, it, it's a must buy. If you like co op games, it's a great co op game. Um, and again, it's 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 just terrific. It's a really fun game. Yeah. Um, so that is our review of Legendary Encounters, the Alien deck building game. Yeah. Which uh, which means that we are pretty much done with our show this week. So thank you guys very much again for listening. Um, don't forget that we are an affiliate of the TNP Studios Network as well, so make sure you check out all the other great shows on that network, including the Nerdpocalypse, Black on Black Cinema, and Dense Pixels. Uh, we would appreciate also if you'd sign up for the premium membership for that. If you're interested, go to thenerdpocalypse.com slash premium. It's just 5 bucks a month or $50 for the whole year, and that gets you instant access to over 200 hours and counting of new content. 
Uh, every and it, there's all new stuff coming out every week. I'm looking forward to the No Time to Bleed this week. Yes, only be because good. I watched the movie with Brad the other night, and I was just like, "Oh, geez." And and for those of you that that <laughs> are fans of of the network as well, um, just keep your eyes peeled. We have a lot of really cool stuff that we have in the pipe that we can't really talk about yet. Um, but we're really excited to announce <laughs> it. Um, and also, like if you follow the They're Nerdpocalypse, all yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that. Um, <laughs> if you all follow the Nerdpocalypse YouTube channel as well, you've been seeing a lot of content being posted on there. Um, we've been we had started a new video series last year called TNP Presents, um, which has been well received so far. Um, most re- I actually was part of the most recent episode where we went to a local game development studio called Sparky Pants Studios here in Baltimore, and I interviewed a bunch of new a uh, bunch of folks there about a new game called Drop Zone uh, that they're working on. It's actually available now through Steam. So again, check that out. Um, just search for the Nerdpocalypse on YouTube. And you can find the channel there. So that is about it. Um, Thank you guys once again very much for listening. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. See ya.